welcome to my podcast. My name is Alan Manson and I'm here to speak about spirit walking with Jesus and what the Bible says about this and its topics that relate to the spiritual aspects of the Christian journey through life. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the salvation message, but from the spiritual perspective that is not preached in the churches. Before we commence today's message, this podcast contains scripture verses from the King James Bible that when I read them out, I occasionally add in words of my own that aim to clarify what the scriptures refer to from the studies I have undertaken. I therefore expect that those listening will replay the message and look up the scripture references provided to determine if what I say is true or not. I welcome any feedback you may have about this or anything else stated in this message. If you have listened to the previous episode, you will have appreciated that there are many conditions that God requires Christians to meet if they sincerely hope to enter into heaven after they die. This is termed conditional salvation, and my last message associated conditional salvation in the same context of when it comes to signing a commercial contract where both parties, in this case God and each individual Christian, enter into a contract for the Christian's eternal life with God. In this setting, God guarantees to provide the Christian with eternal life, providing the Christian fulfills their contractual obligations with him, as stated in the Bible. It has been my long-held view that the signing of the contract between God and each Christian is symbolised in the water baptism ceremony. If Satan's ministers in the churches have failed to advise Christians of the contractual obligations that they must each fulfil to meet the contract's terms, such Christians will not inherit eternal life with God. However, as God says, it is not his will that any Christian should perish because of wayward pastors. So God still expects Christians to study to show themselves approved unto God, as stated in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. The following words of Jesus illustrate what is waiting for Christians in the next life if they have preferred to believe the lies of Satan's ministers in the pulpits, rather than Christ's words of life in the scriptures. And that servant, meaning today's Christian, which knew his Lord's will, meaning to become holy, sinless, perfect, etc., and prepared not himself in these things for his new home in heaven, neither did according to his, meaning God the Father's will, as stated by Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verse 35, shall be beaten in hell with many stripes. But he, the unbeliever in Christ and God that knew not anything about the Bible and did commit things worthy of stripes, that's sins, um, he shall be beaten with few stripes in hell. For unto whomsoever much is given, meaning in knowledge to Christians about God contained in the scriptures, of him shall be much required by God. And to whom Christian men have committed much, of him, meaning church leadership, they will ask the more. So that's from Luke 12 verses 47 to 48. Therefore, if you haven't heard my previous podcast message number five, I suggest that you listen to it fairly soon, as it is an important message that every Christian needs to listen to in view of the impending rapture event, 
followed by God's 21 judgments upon the inhabitants of this evil world. So today we are going to look at the eight stages of biblical salvation that God requires for the full spiritual maturity of Christians to take place throughout their Christian life so that they can bring forth that precious fruit unto God that he demands to be produced by every Christian man and woman. John 15 verse 6 clearly says, No fruit brought unto God means no salvation. So if you go to my blog at mygospel.info, you'll see a post there titled The Eight Stages of Biblical Salvation. At the top of the post is a coloured illustration of nine vertical stripes. The first five straddle the horizontal line and the last four are above the horizontal line. The horizontal line represents the demarcation line between the carnal or religious life that is shown below the line and the godly or spiritual life that is shown above the line. I will now list the eight stages and then uh, of Christian salvation, and then I will describe what they represent in detail. So stage one is ter- I've termed initial salvation. Stage two is the striving stage. Stage three is the new birth stage, which transforms from the carnal into the spiritual. Stage four is the babe in Christ. Stage five is the little child in Christ. Stage six is the strong young man. Stage 7 is the Father, and Stage 8 is the Good Soldier of Jesus Christ. So firstly, to the left of the eight stages is a vertical strip that represents unbelief in God, Jesus Christ, and the Bible. This area represents the period leading up to the unbeliever hearing and responding to the gospel message being preached. Therefore, after an unsaved person chooses to accept Jesus Christ as Saviour, he or she progresses into the eight stages, moving from left to right. So stage one, initial salvation. This first stage of salvation represents the gospel of Jesus Christ entering into the heart of the unsaved person. The symbol presented here is a group of human sperm swimming toward a female egg. The individual sperm represents the seed of God's word swimming towards the spiritual soil within the human's heart. Sperm is symbolized here because God the Father desires that each of his, quote, sons of God born upon the earth are to be procured by the God of truth, as stated in Psalm 31 verse 5 and Isaiah 65 verse 16, through the fertilization process using truth. Therefore, each individual sperm represents many truths entering the spiritual soil within each human's heart. In Christ's parable of the sower and the seed, this symbolizes in the same manner as that which I have described above. And to quote from Matthew 13, verses 18 to 23, but really the last verse, it says, But he that received seed into the good ground, meaning the soil within his heart, is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Another aspect of this process is the transformation from an unsaved human soul into a son of God is of being begotten. In this, 
God uses the seed of the gospel message, stated in Matthew 13, 3-9, to fertilise the egg that ultimately aims to produce a son of God. And in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15 that follows, it says, For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Here the Apostle Paul refers to fathers begetting God's children on earth through the gospel, and I believe that's Paul's gospel. This is a clear indication to me that when Paul's gospel is preached and obeyed, such people are then begotten into God's kingdom and so become sons and daughters of God, as stated in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18. And it says, I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. In James chapter 1 verse 18, the Apostle James says, Uh, which confirms the claims being made here, of his, meaning God's own will, begat he us with the word of truth, meaning scripture verses within the gospel message as symbolized by the sperm entering the egg, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, meaning or a new creature in Christ Jesus, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Now moving on to stage two, which represents striving to enter in. During the period when Jesus was speaking to the people following him, one listener happened to discern that it was not easy to obtain eternal life with Christ because of the conditions Jesus spoke about the Christians needed to comply with for entry into heaven. He then asked Jesus this question. Then said one to him, Lord, are there few Christians that be saved? That's in Luke 13:23. Jesus warned the people that to obtain eternal life with him and God, each individual needed to strive to enter into his kingdom so as to secure the gospel of Christian salvation. In this he said, quote, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many Christians, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. In this, striving means that Christians must not only read their Bibles every day, they must also study to understand what each and every word means. Only then can they understand sound doctrine, as stated in Titus 1 verse 9, that will enable him or her to detect heresies, meaning lies from the devil's people being preached in the pulpits, as stated in 1 Corinthians 11.19 and 2 Corinthians 11.3-5. This is because Satan's people who appear as ministers of righteousness often preach lies in church pulpits. The Apostle Paul also commanded Christians to, quote, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, from 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. For those who continue to strive to enter into God's kingdom, that's stated in Matthew 11, verse 12. These can be symbolized as a fetus growing within the belly of this world. As the Christian begins to, quote, grow more and more in their faith, as it is with a full-term fetus, they wait to escape the unrighteousness of this world through the new birth, 
which is referred to in John 3 verse 5, and enter into God's world of righteousness and the hope that comes with this new knowledge and understanding related to what the scriptures have revealed to them. So from uh, 1 John 5 verse 19 we read, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. My version, or version of this verse, says this, And we know that we are of God because of our newfound righteousness that aligns with Bible values. And in comparison to this, the whole world lieth in wickedness. So moving on to stage three, which is the new birth. There are many Christians who have been told that once they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, that he or she is now considered to be born again. This is not true. It is a lie. As it is with a natural birth of a baby, there is a seed, meaning the sperm from the father and the egg from the mother to achieve fertilisation, and the baby producing process within the mother's womb to commence. The mother's body enables the fetal growth of the child to take place until it finally reaches the birth stage. Unless the birthing process occurs successfully, full physical maturity such as manhood cannot take place. If this happens, the child is likely to become a stillbirth. Similarly, when truths from God's word form a union within the hearts of men and women who hear the gospel message, this initiates the potential new birth process of the child of God into God's kingdom on earth. Once the necessary nutrition and incubation period have taken place within the fetus, the unborn child of God then looks towards escaping its mother's womb so as to continue growing in grace, as mentioned in 2 Peter 3 verse 18. This is because the required spiritual growth required by God cannot continue within this ungodly world. It needs the new birth into God's kingdom to continue its full spiritual maturity. The new birth, meaning by becoming born again, stated in John 3, 3-8, into God's kingdom, is something only God can procure. After the new birth has happened and the child of God receives their new heart and their new spirit from him, as stated in Ezekiel 36 verse 26, and they know that they are a new creature in Christ, as mentioned in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, this enables the new child of God to ultimately walk in the spirit, mentioned in Romans 8 verse 1, and to eventually run the race set before him or her, as stated in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, it is up to God to determine the point where the new birth is necessary for continued spiritual growth to take place. In many instances, this fails to occur in most Christians today. This is because Christians prefer the beliefs of what their particular religious denomination tells them rather than what biblical truth actually states. In John verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water of the word, mentioned in Ephesians 5 verse 26, and of the spirit baptism, mentioned in John 1 verse 33, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's John 3 verse 5. This is proof 
that hell awaits Christians who are not genuinely and spiritually born again. And in in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 10 to 11, Paul says, Because they received not the love of the truth directly from the Scriptures, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God himself shall send them strong delusion that they should prefer to believe a lie. So if God's people prefer their religious beliefs rather than biblical truth, this means that they have squandered the gospel of biblical salvation mentioned in 1 Corinthians 9 verses 26 to 27 that says, I therefore so run in the race that is set before me, as stated in Hebrew 12.1, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep my body under full spiritual control and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away from God. Yes, even the Apostle Paul regarded salvation as something that could be easily forfeited. So moving on to stage four, this is the babe in Christ. As with any natural newborn baby, the child needs to suckle its mother's breast milk so as to grow. For it to then grow beyond where milk is insufficient for continued growth, solid food is vital for proper nourishment. So it is with God's children who have been born again in the Spirit. In this, the Apostle uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 2 verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. The Apostle Paul uh, admonished the church congregation at Corinth for failing to progress beyond the newborn baby stage of spiritual growth by saying, to them in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. It is because of your preference for carnality that I have fed you with milk and not with spiritual meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal? And because of this ye now appear to walk before God as unsaved men. If Christians fail to partake of the sincere milk of the word, the Bible says that envying and strife and divisions result. It also means they become estranged from God as unsaved men as stated in 1 Corinthians 3.3. It also means that they have cast aside the gospel of biblical salvation. Therefore, Christians must continue to grow spiritually from the milk of the word after their new birth experience. They must also become as a little child in God's kingdom through humility, as stated in Matthew 18 verse 4. So what represents the milk of the word? And it's mentioned in Hebrews 6, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, leaving behind you as a newborn babe the principles of the doctrine of Christ that relates to Christ and his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven, let us go on to perfection, meaning or progress towards final salvation, 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works that were confessed at initial salvation and of continued confessions of faith towards God while striving to enter into God's kingdom. But now Christians should focus on of the doctrine of baptisms and of the doctrine of laying on of hands and of the doctrine of resurrection from the dead and of the doctrine of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit based upon the individual Christian's degree of striving. Now that's how I see Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 being read. So from the above passage of scripture we see that if Christians prefer to keep focused on the principles and the doctrines of Christ that represents the many different aspects of the gospel message rather than moving on to the tougher issues in the scriptures involving doctrine, they are seen by God as babes in Christ, meaning carnal Christians and therefore unfit for eternal life in heaven. If they are in fact spiritual babes, they are of no practical spiritual value to anyone because this means they need regular feeding and are therefore a burden rather than of any use to God as it is with all babies who need to grow into little children, they each need to be, quote, weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts if they are to be taught knowledge and to understand doctrine, as stated by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 28, verse 9. Quote, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. So moving on to stage five, this is the little children's stage. As revealed above, the babes in Christ should continue their studies towards understanding the meaning behind, quote, the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Jesus had a very high regard for little children in his kingdom. This is because this stage of spiritual development demonstrates that such Christians had risen above the carnality that is commonly found in most Christian churches today. It also demonstrated such Christians had been, quote, weaned from the breast and were able to undertake some spiritual care for their own personal needs. In regards to Jesus' comments about little children and of his disciples trying to prevent them coming to Jesus, the Bible says, But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child in the spirit, he shall not enter therein. Here is another warning to today's Christians that unless they attain the spiritual level of being a little child, they have no salvation. For those who have achieved this base level of spiritual maturity, this means God's little children should have a strong appetite for and to be able to consume strong meat relating to Bible-based doctrine. However, it has been my observation that most Christians today reject sound doctrine as stated by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 to 4, that say, For the time will come in these last days when they, 
meaning today's Christians will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves false teachers, having itching ears to, me- to hear more of their lies, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth that is plainly stated in the Bible, and Scripture shall be turned by them unto fables, meaning stories that are, relate- that are unrelated to any facts. So if Christians will not endure sound doctrine, this means they have rejected the gospel of biblical salvation and have not progressed to the little child stage of spiritual development. It also means they have no salvation. Now stage six is the strong young men stage. There are two generations of spiritual growth mentioned in this one verse of scripture stated by the Apostle John in 1 John 2 verse 14, where he says, I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him, meaning such individuals who had developed a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. It appears from this one verse that the following conclusions relating to young men in Christ can be drawn. Firstly, they are strong in their knowledge and understanding of God's word. This is because the verse said, The word of God abideth in you. Through this knowledge and understanding of God's word, these strong young men are able to overcome the wicked one, meaning Satan, his angels and his demons. Such strong young men are able to then, quote, tread on serpents and scorpions and to have authority from God over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you, as stated by Jesus in Luke 10 verse 19. So an example of um, the misuse, if you like, of the spiritual gifts was the sons of Sceva. Just as the religious-based sons of Sceva commanded evil spirits to come out of a man in Acts 19 verse 14, so Christians today can command evil spirits to come out of people also. However, Jesus said just because some Christians are able to demonstrate these spiritual powers, it doesn't mean that these will spend eternal life with Jesus, as stated in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23 where it says, Not everyone, meaning not every Christian, that saith unto me, this is Jesus, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. However, many Christians will say to me in that day, immediately following the rapture, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I, meaning Jesus, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye Christians that work iniquity. Therefore, the above scripture verses indicate that Christians who are seen by Christ as symbolizing strong young men have this single unique quality that separates them from other Christians who commit iniquity against God. The only feature that separates such Christians is this but only he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
That's Matthew 7.21. The above verse indicates that any Christian who does not do God's will will not achieve eternal life with Christ after they die. This means they no longer have the gospel of biblical salvation to save them from spending eternity in hell. Here is another clear warning to Christians today that unless they attain the spiritual level of being able to hear and then act upon God's word to do his will, they have no salvation. So the seventh stage is that of fathers. A father in God's kingdom represents the second highest stage of spiritual maturity that a Christian can attain to. In this spiritual father uh, role, it should be expected to have produced spiritual children, meaning sons and daughters, during the years he has been operating at the spiritual level of a father. In this, the Apostle Paul said in a letter to Philemon, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. That's Philemon 1 verse 10. Here and elsewhere in Paul's epistles, the Apostle Paul reveals that as a father in Christ, he procured at least two spiritual children through his ministry. One child's name was Onesimus, as stated there in Philemon 1.10. Another child's name was Timothy, mentioned in 1 Timothy 1.2 and 2 Timothy 1.2. And it says, Thou therefore, my son Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I consider that, that this stage of spiritual growth is available for both Christian men and women, those who openly evangelize and disciple other Christians to maturity. In the past, I used to believe the Bible indicates a spiritual father could only be a male. This claim is made on the basis that the man is the head of the woman, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 11.3. This is because a woman is not to have authority over a man in 1 Timothy 2 verses 12 to 14. I've since come to an understanding that as a woman is capable of evangelizing people as well as any man can, if she can win souls into God's kingdom using the Apostle Paul's gospel to do so, then she should be able to be considered to be a spiritually mature father in God's kingdom. So we'll just look briefly at the role of a father in Christ. Therefore, the role of a father in Christ is where the man begets children who are like himself and who also walk in the Spirit, mentioned in Romans 8 verse 1, and who follow Christ. Quote Matthew 16 verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciple, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Such a father will teach the true doctrines of God in those churches that want to follow Christ. Each of these followers should be passionate about becoming one of the various members of Christ's spiritual body on the earth. When Christians desire to function as an active member within the body of Christ, this enables those in the group to know and then perform the will of God the Father using their various gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 8-11 when required. So now moving on to stage 8, which is the good soldier of Jesus Christ. This final stage of spiritual development is for all spiritually matured Christians to achieve in this life, 
which is to become a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This level of maturity applies to both male and female Christians. Becoming a good soldier of Jesus Christ represents final salvation. It also represents a state of perfection being achieved in the spiritual realm. In this, Jesus Christ commanded every Christian to be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, in Matthew 5 verse 48. This command by Jesus is non-negotiable. If Christians are not considered by God to have attained perfection, this means they have no salvation. Every Christian is expected by Jesus to press toward the mark of high calling in Christ Jesus, stated by Paul in Philippians 3 verse 14 where he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now there are seven blessings of achieving the state of perfection which are listed below. First one is maturity, meaning we're no longer children, mentioned in Ephesians 4.14. Second is established in the faith, meaning we're no longer of a doubtful mind or tossed to and fro like the waves, mentioned again in Ephesians 4 verse 14 and James 1 5 to 8. We are rooted, a third one is rooted and grounded in the truth, meaning we're no longer carried about by winds of false doctrine. So that's found in Ephesians 4 again and John 8 32 to 36, Ephesians 3 verse 17, Colossians 2 6 to 7, and 2 Peter 1 verse 12. The fourth one is freedom from deception, meaning we're able to discern truth from error. Again, Ephesians 4, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, Hebrews 5.11-14, and John 8.32-36. The fifth one is that we have the ability to speak the truth in love to others. Ephesians 4 again, Romans 15 verse 14, and Colossians 3.16. The sixth one is constant growth in spiritual things. Ephesians 4 again, 1 Peter 2 verse 2, 2 Peter 3 verse 18. And the last is we are in unity with all others who are truly in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4 again, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10, also chapter 13 verses 11. So by God dwelling within us and by our dwelling with him, in John 14 verse 23, we have the fullness of God's love in our lives. If the above listed qualities appear, we may then have boldness in the day of judgment to claim that we have achieved perfection. And in 1 John 4 verse 17 it says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So the evidence of being a son of God being born on the earth indicates the foregoing claim is possible, because we have been changed from our former Adamic nature. We are now in the image of the second Adam. We have been instructed by God through our Bible studies. We have been chastened by God through our fiery trials, mentioned in 1 Peter 4 verse 12. We've received personal instruction from God the Father, mentioned in John 6 verse 45. And we have strived to become just like our Saviour Jesus Christ, who is holy, pure, loving, good and true in this world. 
and we have been able to overcome the evil one mentioned in John 3 sorry Revelation 3 verse 21 Therefore, every Christian who attains his standard of perfection should be considered a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He or she should also be a member of Christ's spiritual body of believers here on the earth within their church congregation, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. Such Christians should be using the various gifts of the Spirit, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 11, to defeat those in Satan's kingdom, who work unrighteousness. So in summary then, uh, for Christians who fail to progress beyond the initial stage one and stage two steps of their spiritual growth, his or her eventual spiritual state will become that of a stillbirth rather than that of a live birth into God's kingdom. In this, the Apostle Paul says to the Galatian church congregation whom he claimed in Galatians 3 verse 1 had been bewitched into another false gospel. He then said in Galatians 5 verse 7, Ye did run well at initial salvation, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth contained in the scriptures by preferring to believe lies instead. Then Jesus says in Matthew 13 verse 5 that follows, Some, meaning the seed of the gospel, fell upon the soil in human hearts, symbolic of stony places, where they had not much earth, or meaning desire, for truth. And forthwith they sprung up to embrace Satan's religion instead, because they had no deepness of earth or knowledge and understanding of God's word. And again, two verses later, Jesus said, Some seed fell among thorns, meaning the thorny soil often found in human hearts. And the thorns sprung up and choked them, meaning the seed of God's words. Therefore, it is every Christian's responsibility to ensure that the soil within their hearts is found to be good ground. And it brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear, said Jesus. The fruit referred to here is the number of souls won through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the individual Christian. So just let me summarise this. The image I described earlier illustrates the eight stages of initial and final salvation that are necessary for every Christian to attain. All other Gospels that preach different to this are false Gospels. I have attempted to discuss the Gospel of Biblical Salvation or Initial and Final Salvation with many Christians over many years without success. This indicates to me that many of today's Christians do not have a love of the truth that they might be saved. The Christians I have spoken to attend churches in the following denominations. This is Anglican or Episcopalian, Baptist, Brethren, Charismatic, Christadelphian, Church of Christ, Jehovah's Witness, Methodist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Seventh-day Adventist, Uniting Church of Australia. If you attend one of the above churches and you have doubts about anything claimed here, please add a a comment below. This is because Jesus wants his people to be either hot or cold, meaning you're in total agreement or you're in total disagreement, regarding these issues raised here. 
by, however, by preferring to remain silent rather than speaking out about your concerns in these matters, such Christians are indicating to Christ that they are being lukewarm about this matter. In this, Jesus said, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee, meaning your name, out of my mouth. Therefore, please be decisive in this matter of what is the only gospel that will save you from hell and can bring you into heaven at your death. If the false once saved, always saved gospel doesn't require anything more from you other than to believe on the name of the Son of God, then this cannot save you from spending eternity in hell. This ends my message on the eight stages of biblical salvation that I am convinced forms an integral part of the Apostle Paul's gospel that I have since termed the gospel of initial and final salvation. My next episode will look more closely at the Apostle Paul's gospel of salvation. Christians must appreciate that in the Bible Paul terms his gospel as my gospel, which he says contains a mystery. He also says that most Christians even in his day have failed to obey the gospel and from my own experiences I believe that this situation is much the same today. If the gospel you believe in does not require you to keep obeying it due to the conditions I have just explained, I suggest you tune in next week to hear what I have to say. If you have any questions regarding anything stated in this podcast, please add a comment below or write to me at mygospel.info where you will find a contact page from which you can email me. Also, I suggest you replay this message again and this time check out the scripture verses in your Bible that I have used as this is how God speaks to his people. Before you go, give me this podcast a like and please click the follow button. Please share this podcast to your Christian friends and family and especially with your pastor. Ask him or her to provide you with some detailed comments as to the claims being made here. May God bless you for listening.